All right, before we start into another episode of DadCast and our misadventures in parenting, support for this episode is via the brilliant SkyQ. This will change your lives, folks. We all know that parenting is tough. Sometimes we need a little help in entertaining our little ones. That's where SkyQ has the perfect solution for you. It's everything you love in one place. Easy. They bring together all your favorite apps and content onto the SkyQ box to keep the kids entertained and give us all a well-earned break. Saturday morning cartoons will never be an issue again. There's 11 different kids' channels packed with all their favorite programs on Sky Kids, including Paw Patrol, Peppa Pig, and SpongeBob. We are experts in our house at uh, how to train a dragon. Turns out there are many different ways to train a dragon. And if you want to become conversant in them, well, then uh, get on to Sky Q. You can have a movie night. There are over a thousand movies for all ages on Sky Cinema. New releases like The Secret Garden, starring Colin Firth and Julie Waters. Who doesn't need a bit of Colin Firth in their lives, eh? And uh, there's the entire Disney Plus range of new releases like Clouds, Onwards, and The Rocketeer, and classics like The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. So that's everything for you and the kids, all in one place, easy. Head over to sky.ie to find out more or search SkyQ now. Dad Pod. Well, this is a video show thing as well. Does have a name? Podcast. Or midlife Crisis. Howdy Daddy. Mm. Midlife Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> Dadcast. That's not bad, actually. Right, very welcome along to this week's episode of Dadcast. All the dads are here. Adrian's here. Good afternoon. Good morning. Nathan's here. How are you? And Dave's here. Howdy. Right. How is everybody? <laughs> we should we apologize to Dave? To kick things off, he was spending some quality time with his son and we've interrupted him. I mean, it was largely because he forgot about us, but that notwithstanding. Uh, and by largely, you mean completely. Um, yeah, I, <clears throat> I just didn't set the alarm at the right time to remind me that we were doing this at 11 o'clock. I knew we were doing it, but I um, got carried away with my desire to get out on the bike with the, the older of the two boys. And we went for a long cycle. It was great. But when we pulled over for on the side of the road for a snack... I just checked my phone and there were you guys ready to go. So my apologies, but I am here now. Better late than never. We had a lovely cycle, a bit blustery. I'm just trying to get him confident on the bike because I don't know, did we talk about it before, but we had a bad fall a few months ago. So um, it resulted in like a split lip and cuts and grazes. And so unsurprisingly, I don't blame him. He was unwilling to get back on the bike for a little while. But uh, we are making progress again. So uh, he was great today. It was brilliant. Was that because he was on, on the other side of the hedge when you threw the bike over? <laughs> no, you're, you're conflating two different types of uh, self-propelled vehicles. <laughs> Where are you cycling? Uh, we were cycling through Rohini today. So, are there uh, bike lanes? No, but I, I, I went on the road and I put it, left him on the path. There's good yeah. white footpaths here. We're, we'll be moving house soon enough and I kind of wanted to get him cycling around the area. Now, he knows, knows the area well from his grandparents' house, but um, it's also, it's it's much safer in, the, in that area than, we're, than we are at the moment. There's wider footpaths and fewer people. And that was great. Really enjoyable. I keep trying to tell him, look, it's all about confidence. The more you do it, the more confident you'll become. Um, and even today, the difference between when we finished the cycle and when we started the cycle was noticeable, which is good. I find it very stressful bringing the kids cycling. Their lack of concentrate on the road, their (laughs) lack of concentration. uh, 
where suddenly they're middle of the road or veering the other way as they're looking around to see, oh, this is nice scenery, isn't it? This is lovely. Well, that's it's the a, biggest It's a bit off-putting. You have to find the balance between telling them to only look forwards because they don't quite know the way the body works. And when mm. you turn your neck and your shoulders, the rest of your body, including your hands, turn the same direction and you end up just cycling into trees and park cars. Um, but at the same time, you do want them to, to be to have some awareness of what's going on around them so they yeah. know a car coming outside them or there's somebody with a dog or a buggy or something on the footpath. So, the, yeah, I find that with the younger guy when he's scooting. It's much better now, but when he started scooting and he started getting up serious speed, if you called him or if he saw a dog or any sort of distraction, he turns his head and then his hands turn with him and he's, it's a disaster. Mm. Yeah, that's the issue is when a car is coming up on the outside, they hear it, so they turn to see what it is. But in turning the head, they also turn the bike directly towards the car. So what I do is, sensibly, and it's actually, it's not too bad, because where we are, there's not, where we generally go cycling, there's not too many cars, but there is a stretch near my house where cars can very quickly pile up behind you. So I just do this, obviously, and pretty much cycle in the middle of the road myself, so none of them can get by, and just have this long queue behind, just so my children are safe. That's fair enough. Screw it, it, the, the, we went out on the, uh, you know, these new cycle paths that are popping up all over the place now, which is fantastic. The one out that leads out to Dunleary a few weeks ago and the young fellow was cycling away and the more than Dave was saying he's just at that point, obviously, where he's getting a bit used to everything, how everything's going on. And you think, oh, it's a segregated cycle path and there's loads of room. And that's really good. But what it promotes then is the lads in Lycra, like Gilroy there, and they're doing <laughs> like 78 miles an hour coming past you. And it's way more dangerous than a car would ever be. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Other than it's not way more dangerous than a car would ever be. That's oh, possible. it's it's so it dangerous because the, the 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 reason it's so dangerous on that thing is because like largely like Dave was saying, so the young fellow's going along and he's minding his own business and he's tipping away. These lads are coming from behind and they're milling it. And if he takes a slight bit of a wobble because the paths are even though they're segregated and they're away from the traffic, they're not they are still narrowish. So he frequently will be like looking around them, takes a bit of a wobble out into that path. And they, they, there is no way in hell they could stop. Are they but, coming towards them or coming from behind? It's the ones coming from behind that I'm more, um, at least the ones coming towards you, you can get in and try and sort of like be the barrier. So if they're going to hit somebody, it'll be you. But the ones coming. This is peak South Dublin, Adrian. You're, not, you're no, longer, like, you're no longer happy with your segregated bike lanes. You now don't want adults to be on them. There, no, so there's just should, there should just be a, there should, a separate cycle lane for kids and adults. No, there should just be a, a speed limit, and then what they should do is put the Gilroy and his crew go out on the on the road. Like that's the solution. There, there, those bikes are going quick enough anyway to not slow the traffic up. Entirely defeating the purpose of a bike. No, lane. no, 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 no. I would, I would dispute that, Dave. And in fact, on the same space a few weeks later. I saw somebody doing this uh, middle-aged man in Lycra doing this thing down the road <laughs> and himself and a motorist. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. The motorist was losing the plot because she was like, what are you doing out here on the road? There's like a perfectly good psychopath in there. But to be fair to the guy, I totally understood his point. He was trying to do the safest thing. Look at, I appreciate it. First of all, probably. And it should be noted that even though you're on a bike and there is a bike lane, you don't have to go in the bike lane. You are allowed out on the road. Well, you want to be, unless you're like like this guy, well, I think of actually doing the responsible thing of being on the road. But like if you're a family cyclist or that sort of thing, you want to be some arsehole and not be on the tri- in the cycle path. 
I mean, you just explained that everybody should do that if they're able to go fast enough. And now you're calling those people arseholes. No, I'm saying the what? responsible people who I'm, I, I literally said a fam, if you're a family cyclist and you're not using the cycle lane, you want to be an arsehole. Yeah. OK. I don't know if this is a problem that it clearly from the three seems as if it's not an issue. I know. I think no, I, we, I, we don't have any bike lanes near where I am, which is a pain. No, in the ass. we're only getting ours now. We're we're a little bit behind. Obviously, the politicians where uh, you live in that rich part of Dublin, they're Shane more Ross important. Got us, than, got us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were cycling to the hockey pitch, four G hockey pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> past their past their newly reopened Garda station. Yeah, for the eight crimes a year. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, all, all committed by cyclists. Yeah, well, people from outside the area breaking in. Those, um, those, <laughs> Northsiders. That antique silver uh, isn't going to find itself. Um, Dave, you, you were saying that you wanted this pod to be kind of uplifting because everybody was in a bad mood. That was last week. Is everybody still in a bad mood? Uh, I'm definitely feeling a lot better this week. Um, I think that's mainly because I've decided to take a leaf out of my esteemed friend Donald Trump's book and try and ignore the pandemic as much as I possibly can. Um, that's not to say I'm not doing what is required of me and you know taking all the measures that the government are asking of us, but I'm, I'm not paying any attention to numbers anymore. And it was even drawn to my attention by some close friends of mine in a WhatsApp group that they could sense the doom and gloom coming from me, almost emanating from my pores. So that it was time, that was a little bit of a wake up call. It was time to maybe take a step back. So. I've, de I've taken the notifications off the apps, my news apps on my phone, which are telling me how many cases there are every day and how many hospital admissions and how many people in ICU. Not that that isn't important, but it was doing nothing for my mental health. And I feel a bit better already. Um, I've also, I've, I haven't exercised in about five or six days. And it's probably the longest I've gone without a workout in 10, 15 years, I'd say. And the body has not felt this good in a long, long time. All what? the aches, oh, back pain, the tendonitis in my elbows, the knee pain, it's all disappeared. It just turns out exercises for mugs. <laughs> We've been telling you all this time, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I definitely needed that. And it, this lockdown is a lot different for me in that, as you guys know, I was unemployed for five months and a full-time dad. So this time around, I have work, which is I'm very grateful for. And my boys are in school. And when I'm not working on sport, there's sport to be watched and sport to be read about and podcasts to be listened to. And it's and hopefully for me anyway, it'll be an entirely different experience this time around because it was it was tough enough the first time around. So all in all, in comparison to last week, I'm in very good spirits, thankfully. If they kept the golf clubs open, Dave, this would have been like the best time of your life, essentially. <laughs> <coughs> Well, I still only get to play golf once a week, regardless of what the situation is. So I've only lost out on one round of golf a week. But yeah, that would have been an added bonus. And I did take the kids for a walk on Port Marnock Strand on Sunday afternoon. Um, thankfully, the beach is within the 5K restriction from where we're currently living. Once we move, it actually will be outside of the 5K. But I climbed up to the top of the dunes and gazed lovingly into the golf club. And the course has never looked more beautiful. But sadly, there was not a sinner out there. But look, as disappointed as I was, and I can understand why golfers are questioning the reasons and the logic behind golf courses being closed, I think it's a small price to pay for golfers, given what a lot of, an awful lot of other people are going through across the country. 
I would uh, wholeheartedly endorse Dave's ignorance of the daily numbers around COVID. I've done the exact same thing uh, for the last probably two weeks at this stage. So I muted COVID, COVID-19. I muted all those journalists who are every evening rushing to get the numbers out there. I know they're doing their job. So I don't see any of it. To the extent of last night, I realized I hadn't heard a single number in, I think, five days. Had no idea. So I thought it was, was something like 700 last night. I was like, oh, that seems to be better than where I was the last time I checked up in this. It's brilliant. And now I'm not thinking about it. You're not having that little bit of doom and gloom at six o'clock every evening that suddenly then starts rolling on to eight o'clock, 10 o'clock, when your head is a bit frazzled. So, yeah, I would, <laughs> exactly. I would uh, most definitely recommend as much as possible. And also, it doesn't, like, I, I can understand why there is a sense of get the numbers out there and fight the. The fear of God is struck into people and maybe it'll make them change their behavior. If you're actually doing things by and large correctly, it's of no benefit to you to know how many people are going into hospital. It's terribly sad for them, for their families, but for your head, like what is the benefit of knowing this every day? And there, you, your, your mentality definitely rubs off on the children. Like I, I think they got a sense for me that things are worsening a bit over the last few weeks. And it's definitely helped everybody in the house, I think, that I don't wake up in bad form. Plus, I'm not lying in bed awake at night thinking of COVID, which I was doing, um, and losing out on sleep because of it. And that makes you even more grumpy. It's a vicious circle. The kids bear the brunt of it. Although this this week, now, we're, what are we, on to Wednesday, um, or into the middle of the week, it's been a throwback to what it was like for the first couple of weeks of the original lockdown, where the two boys have been thrust together all day for the first time since they went back to school and that permanent bickering has returned mm. which i know my dad cast mantra was don't lose the rag well i threw that out the window yesterday morning <laughs> absolutely because <laughs> i was trying to i'm I, i'm very busy at the moment just trying to get work done for all these games and they're fighting every two minutes and there's just only so much of it you can take and thankfully, anyone I've spoken to is of a similar vein in that their children are also back scrapping with regularity. Was your um, losing sleep thing uh, recent? Um, no, probably not. I, I've struggled with sleep for a while now. Have um, you, yeah? Because of this? No, I don't. I, it's, it's hard to quantify how much of an impact kind of the circumstances of, of the pandemic have, have had on my sleep over the last six months. Um, maybe a lot, maybe not as much as I think, but I do find that I can get to sleep quite easily. But once I wake up at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., serious struggle then to get back to sleep. And the next four hours is just, you know, tossing and turning. If I get back, back to sleep at all, it's partly I'd say due to worried about certain things. And def definitely that week before or that two week period before we actually went into level five, when there was the leaked letter from Neffet and the government attempted to try and put them back at their box and refused to move off level three. Um, there was a sense of the inevitability of level five. That definitely got to me. And I probably struggled to sleep those couple of weeks, but um, no, I'd say it's more to do with looking at the phone too late at night and maybe going to bed a bit mm -hmm. too early at times and I'm not ready for sleep. But like you come home, say, from doing a game and you're wrecked, but you're buzzing because you've been just done a game. You feel you should go to bed. Then you can't sleep. So the thing is to maybe stay up an extra hour. Um, but what's it been like in your house this week? And I'm sure a lot of parents are wondering this. 
the, the who would have thought the impact the clocks going back an hour could have had? Like, what my lads are in at quarter to seven every morning, and during the school week, I have to drag them out of bed at twenty to eight by the ankles to try and get ready for school. As soon as we don't have anywhere to be or anywhere to go, they're in knocking on my bedroom door at six forty-five. <laughs> Has it been the same with you guys? Pretty much. No, ours are the two lads because they're staying up later. Like this morning, I think they woke up at nine. Oh wow! But they're not. Yeah, well, when did what time they in bed? Like they watched the first half of the Liverpool game, so they were in bed about nine. They're probably reading till about quarter to ten, so they're up late enough, I suppose. But yeah, they very quickly get back into the. I'm not getting up now. The baby, obviously, the baby, the two year old. <laughs> The, the, the fear of God last weekend of, wait a second, I'm like, I was awake at six o'clock on Sunday, Sunday morning after the clock's changing, trying to figure out, like, is, is this a good thing? Has she mm. coped? Or am I now, is it actually five o'clock and I'm awake for the day? And uh, much like you, Dave, my head was so frazzled, even though she went back to sleep for about another three hours, I was awake going, <laughs> am I, I've only had about four hours sleep. How am I going to get through the day? So, yeah. Do you, I am finding I need less sleep than I used to. You do need less sleep the older you get, don't you? Oh, I don't know. I think opposite. we're a bit too young for that, aren't we? Yeah, come on. I don't, that's all about it. <laughs> like, you, you, I don't feel that at all. I feel like I'm, I definitely am getting less quality sleep and I'm constantly exhausted. But um, Yeah. I feel, fairness, I feel you are up at, what, past five, six o'clock every morning, most mornings anyway. So you probably bring the fear to bed with you. Well, there was definitely, like, the the... Tuesday after a bank holiday is always pretty grim because you're awake in the middle of the night going, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? And I have no clock in the bed, in the bedroom. So I don't know. I do have Alexa who I can whisper to, but then sometimes <laughs> she doesn't whisper back. <laughs> and the house wakes up. Can you, uh, can you say, hey, Alexa, whisper to me. <laughs> if, you whisper, if you whisper to her, she'll whisper back. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Well, Alexa, that. What time is it? And she'll oh, go. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Five thirty. I didn't realize that was the thing. Sometimes, yeah. Is there is there an alarm set for last for tomorrow? Hey Google, what time is it? Seven forty four a.m. Oh no, you don't want that. You don't that's want that. Volume. The mic's off. It's full volume. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely find it, and I don't have jurors um, sleeping. Uh, patterns but it's constant say it have been knackered which is never enough sleep to be had and I don't know like the average the average um actually some of my wife were looking at think the other night the average sleeping times for uh parents is like six and a half hours a night or something like that and I definitely get that um that should be enough I just I just like yeah I don't find it's enough I need like I think if I had like nine hours a night, I'd be. <laughs> nine hours? Like where? In bizarro world, maybe. I know, I know. I'd, I just uh, feel like it, it gets later as the week goes on. So Monday night, I'm like, right, I'm going to make an effort. Second right. Monday night, football is over. In bed, quarter to 10. And then it's half 10, 11, half 11. And you're absolutely shattered by the time it comes to Sunday. Yeah. I like, I find it a bit, a bit easier actually when the kids are in school because you have to get up. I definitely found it difficult during lockdown where there was no more, you know, you wake up, 
child is awake at seven, but there's no real reason to get up. <laughs> like it's a mm. long enough day as it is. Whereas at least when they're in school, there's I have no choice here but to get up. The bank holiday was tough. The bank holiday weekend I found tough because like uh, I love spending time with my kids, but that's where this that's where this podcast started that's where this podcast started i love spending time with my kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> on oh, the third day i was like oh fuck's sake we <laughs> <laughs> have got the week off <laughs> what? they've got the week off it's not just there. i know i know i know i know and like uh and i've i've, t- I've started doing this thing over the last three or four weeks where I'll um, take a walk in the middle of the day just because I need to get out because there like there were days where I wasn't getting out of the house and that is that is not good for the head like so I get out for at least a half an hour walk in the middle of the day and like trying a podcast or some sort of a anything just a bit of a sort of distraction for the head but in, in the last couple of days because he's been off school the young fella's been like oh I'll come for a walk with you and obviously there's a large part of me that's like oh that'd be really lovely and then the most of me <laughs> she's like no, fuck that. I, I <laughs> and I feel bad wow. for it. Uh, I said to him yesterday, oh, listen, it's just too cold. It's too cold. <laughs> he was like, I've got my jumper on, I'll put my hat on. I was like, no, 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 no. You only had your hair cut the other day. <laughs> you get a cold. <laughs> I was reaching for things, but uh, yeah, oh, I found the bank holiday tough. I found the Monday, the bank holiday was like, oh, it's enough, enough of this now. Well, it's a week of Sundays, isn't it? The midterm, mm. where there's just nowhere to go, there's nowhere to be. I don't know if some of our listeners can enlighten us as to what ideas they have for filling the day. But once you take beach and park off the list, mm. like what else is there? That's literally and the beaches and the parks are bloody busy. Yeah, I was in Marley Park on Sunday, and you're like, oh, I just don't. I know you're outdoors. I know the chances of transmission are minimal, but you're still like, why have I come to the one place that's absolutely packed with people yeah well especially for that for that five or ten minutes or half an hour you're like it's like you live in the other matrix just whatever like the queue for coffee in marley park i'd say was at least an hour long and i stood there for 10 minutes i stood there for 10 minutes thinking i might just queue here for an hour just to get one Mm. cup of coffee Mm. Uh, eventually i was like actually why would you do that why am i doing this who are these people who are willing to queue for an hour for coffee? I don't know. Like, it's my foot. I, I won't lie. That coffee could well be the highlight of my day. Yeah. No. Coffee shops are, um, coffee shops are at all times of the day now are jammed and they're popping up all over the place. I do wonder if my, now I feel as though I'm not drinking more coffee because the coffees I'm making at home are smaller, but maybe they are more intense and maybe that's contributing to the sleeping Tension. at times. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's, um, like I'm definitely having, so I would have always at work religiously had two coffees a day. Whereas now I'm up to maybe, I've definitely had two by 11 a.m. And I might end up having four, depending on the day. So, no, I'm still four, having four, four, like, are they instants now? Or? They're just like Nespresso's. Oh, that's, geez, that's a good hit of coffee, Nathan. Yeah, See, the Nespresso part of the Nespresso, do you think that it signifies something? <laughs> well, I just thought that was a, you know, play on words because it was a nice way of selling the coffee not that I it was an actual being... espresso but i'm I adding milk so i turn it i i turn it into a cappuccino myself it's a wondrous thing and between yeah, that think... and his co- i'm not a complete lunatic between that <laughs> and his cocaine habit he just can't understand <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you and peter Lurie. i found um i found uh i found myself yesterday watching a video it was like a 10 minute video with like 
I, I, it was one of the saddest points of my life. Uh, ten minute video about like um, pouring kettles for coffee. You know the pouring kettles with the narrow spout on them, like a uh, sort of big stork job, and like whether a kettle was better than this plastic um, Japanese air thing, and uh, like full ten minutes of this guy talking about like the temperature ranges of well, if I pour from the kettle into the pouring kettle, I need like a full graph. It was, I'm not going to rehash the full 10 minutes, but needless to say, I, I felt uh, I did not feel brimming with life afterwards. That's how I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm knee deep into barista activity here every day. What are you doing for Halloween? We're doing uh, uh, in our own house. We're going to run from room to room and the kids are going to knock on each door. Mm, that's the plan here as well. That's a good idea. We're having a parade. Yeah, let's talk of that here as well. Around the neighborhood. Just you, just your family. No, no, all the kids <laughs> will have a socially distant parade around the neighborhood and everyone will flash their lights at them and they'll um I think within our own little part of the estate, they're gonna have bags, named bags left on the wall that they can oh, go around and idea. get. So that's actually making an effort. Yes. To make it memorable for them. These moments that they're missing out on. Yeah, Are any of you guys costume makers? Like, or no. do you just Oh, sorry, I did. I made, a, I made a costume for my son last Friday, who is, without question, one of the greatest pains in the ass that has ever walked this earth and the most indecisive child. And so he decided he wanted to dress up as Jamie Vardy because he has a Leicester jersey. But I'm like, you also went to school dressed as Jamie Vardy on Tuesday. So I'm not sure it really works as a costume on Friday when you wear this all the time. Or Sergio Aguero, Armo Sala, whichever one. So at about nine o'clock on Thursday night, he uh, shouted at my wife to come upstairs. He'd made a decision. And this is for school on Friday morning. He wanted to be a referee. <laughs> <laughs> so at half seven on Friday morning, we made him a referee's costume, which is oh, basically a class. black t-shirt, a little pocket, a red and yellow card. And he was delighted with himself. Went into the school and sent everybody off. All right, cool. <laughs> I would I say mean, a referee is a better role model than Jamie Vardy. There is no yeah. worst. It's, it's the worst day of the year, though, as a, as a terrible parent like myself and lacking in creativity. When you see some of the kids coming in, you're like, how long did their parent, you, when you know it's homemade, how long did those parents spend making that? That is not me. Know. Where, where did they find the time? Somebody, Weeks. Maybe you saw plan. somebody dressed as a, as a, um, a box of Lego. Yeah, school. I thought that too. It was cool. I looked amazing. But I'm yeah. like, how? I don't know. Creativity, Dave. Just something, obviously, none of us in this podcast actually ever yeah. had. Sick. Well, <laughs> you know, I... All this time in bed, trying to think yeah, of Yeah, we've, we've just been discussing, like, how you fill your days and, like, how, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking at the bank holiday going, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> I should have been making a box of Lego costume. I'm never doing a do, no matter how much time I have. Dave, you're coughing there. You all right? Yes, I'm fine. I have had a head cold the last couple of days. Okay. Head, co head cold. Okay. Yeah. I'm, oh, Tony Hulan. And at every, st every stage of it, I've been um, been waiting for actual COVID symptoms to present themselves. Thankfully, oh, that's... Well, they have not. A cough, a cough <laughs> would be... A cough, Dave. I don't Thankfully, know there's no sign of that with, 
regular coughing every five minutes. Over the last four minutes Apart from this great cough I have, <laughs> feeling a bit tired. I think if you roll back the tape, that's the first cough I've done. Since. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have mentioned it if it had been once. <laughs> spool back, spool back. I was watching a, uh, a, uh, a, I watched some of Dave last night on commentary, but I was watching um, a League of Ireland First Division game on YouTube. And there was a regular cough in the background to the extent where I was going, should I like text somebody and say that this guy really, <laughs> really shouldn't be near the camera? <laughs> yes, that's the answer. You should. Yes, you should. As a concerned citizen. I, um, I feel great today. So we're, we're in the clear. We're in the clear. The problem is... Actually, it's Dave, I haven't been out of the house in seven days. <laughs> it's the season of sniffles. And, mm. you know, the kids are still going to pick up everything they would ordinarily have got when they were in school. They're not though. They're not. I don't think they are. So uh, like my wife's a teacher and has said actually that it feels certain now maybe there is some sort of bias in this, but she certainly feels there's far less going around the school than there ever has been before because they're all sanitizing their hands in uh, all sorts of stuff, it turns out, a uh, hundred times a day and are doing a little bit of social distancing. So the amount of colds and flus and all that, well, from one person anecdotally is no, not quite saying, where it is. Yeah. Yeah, but my kids are sick the first week with their asthma stuff and then we just lashed the uh, inhalers into them and they've been religious about it and they've been good about all the rest of it and touch wood, they've been okay so far. And ordinarily by now, they would have been out for um, a while. We've had um, some correspondence this week. Uh, this is an interesting and um, I'd say tricky enough question to answer. But hey, lads, long time listener here. First time sending in a question. His name is Mike. At what age should I introduce my mixed race children? Boy age four, girl age three months to the issue of race. At some stage, someone will say something nasty or horrible to them, unfortunately, and my Kenyan wife thinks we should get out in front of the issue. My son attends Montessori and occasionally mentions his brown skin and my white skin. Any thoughts? Wow. This came up in our house. Um, my kids are mixed race as well. And uh, the first, uh, it was only now that you said it, the first time it's come up, like to be fair, the eldest lad's not even four yet, so it's probably not a factor yet, but he was like like the gingerest man on the planet, obviously, and he's like, uh, why are you, why have you got, why do you look like, it was something along the lines of like putting his arm alongside my arm and saying, why does mine look slightly different than yours? Um, so I don't know, but like it's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's an, a it's definitely something that's in the back of my mind a lot. Um, and I think that like uh, with our two, uh, so my wife's heritage is um, Hong Kong. So they they it's funny because when when I'm out with them, like they're the eldest lad particularly, people are like they know there's something a bit something something but they're not quite sure what that something might be and like they'll normally say something like oh look at his eyes aren't his eyes so the beautiful eyes or whatever like so the people have some sort of an awareness but at the same time i think if you just see seen him it's difficult what i'm saying is like obviously this guy maybe the um he says wife was uh kenyan yeah yeah well i think with my kids like it's it's hard to tell actually what the hell they are and that's probably part maybe as they get older um the uh, youngest one definitely is, looks more Chinese than the than the elder lad. Um, so obviously, somebody looking at me going, "What are you doing with a Chinese child? How is this? How is this coming?" Maybe snatch your Barry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's definitely. He doesn't have ginger hair, though. That's the main thing. Uh, what's that? He doesn't have ginger hair. 
<laughs> no, he doesn't have ginger hair, and that's that's everybody's a winner on that front, aren't they? Um, uh, it's definitely something that's in the back of my mind about like whether this is something that will at some point need to be addressed. Like, it's interesting that yeah, that the topic comes up. I'm I'm sort of hoping that it's um, look at at some point or another. Like, it's funny. I, everybody's experience is different. Like, even my wife's um, experience is that she's never really been subjected to any racism in Ireland at any point and so I suppose there's that side of it obviously with dealing with like this person who's been in contact is inquiring about like whether it comes up I think in that regard and then there's obviously also just the education about your own culture and heritage as varied as it might be um, but I'm sort of hoping that like um, it might be a very naive hope but that it's never a factor for uh for my kids i would be like i'd be struggling to not want to so, hear somebody if it uh <laughs> so the order though for you is definitely to have a conversation about culture and heritage and that might automatically lead on to or develop into a conversation about because like um say your kids are a bit older and watching tv at the moment the black lives matter um iconography is in all sports at the moment and there's a big no to racism ads that I'm getting questions about what what is racism mm. um and like for me it's a really straightforward conversation um but we all we all do look the same in our house like we're from that shallow end of the Irish gene pool so um like I'd, I, I'm interested to hear what your conversations around that will be when they come you know yeah and like it's funny because like at the minute it's all just it's just normal. Like for us, it's all just normal. It's like um, they will, like uh, th that 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 uh, culture side of it is all just so normal. Like their um, uh, their grandparents on my on my wife's side are obviously very in touch with their Chinese side. They both of the kids fully understand. Don't really speak it, but fully understand whatever is said to them in Cantonese and are they're they're 100 fine so that's just a normal thing for them and they we should we should take a moment to uh, plug the best chinese restaurant in the country <laughs> in, in navin <laughs> the food the food is literally the best chinese food i've ever had in the country it's sensational hector was giving it the big one on his podcast the other week it was uh advertising you couldn't pay for um including mentioning the mother-in-law which was which was great for everyone um but yeah so like there there is that side where they're like that's an inescapable like just factor of everyday life like and I know that even with last year with Chinese New Year my wife went into the Montessori and gave a bit of a talk to um like a 20 minute chat to the, to the kids in the Montessori about what Chinese, Chinese New Year was about and like they're all at that age at like three and four sort of hanging on every word and now they're hanging out for the chocolate obviously at the end but um it's not a thing they're all like I, I don't suspect that any one of those kids like you know, suddenly discovered that my uh, kid like had, uh, was a, I was of uh, mixed race and was like suddenly looking at them any different. They were like, all right, that's great. That's where your heritage is from. Like they don't, there's there is no awareness at all at that level, at that age. And like you say, does that change when he gets older? Is that how much of that is based on how he looks and how much of that is based on obviously his own then lived experience of that culture. I don't, it's, it's, it's an area that is definitely in the back of my mind a lot without actually really giving it a huge amount of consideration other than it just being lifelike, just being not really normal. For what us. age yeah. is the kid in question, Jer? 
four, the boy is four and the baby girl is three months. I'd say, and if, in, even if their decision ultimately is to try and get ahead of it, like there's a very good chance that this child will not experience anything either positive or negative in terms of their mixed race for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, Really? Like primary school kids, I don't know. As Adrian says, I don't think there's any awareness really of who looks like who and who looks different and who looks the same. Um, I, I, it, it just might, it just might dilute their innocence a little if you're having this conversation. Now, I'm saying this from a position of complete ignorance. I don't have the experience of it that Adrian has, but you might just dilute their innocence just a little bit at the age of four as to what could potentially befall them from you know, the cruelty of the, of the words of children maybe in years to come. Maybe just hold off on it for a while. Like four is very young. And if they're happy and no one has said a thing to them about anything up to this point, just let them continue for the moment. And the thing is, you want them to be very, like, proud of their own heritage as well. And that's a difficult conversation to bring up because you're, what ultimately you're saying to them is there are people out there who don't believe you should be proud of your background. Like, that is, that is an incredibly complex notion for a kid to get their head around and like i i think and this is purely anecdotal um that we're just getting more polarized as a society so even though all those kids at that age are not of a view they don't understand racism or they don't get it or they don't want to be racist but it becomes a thing at a certain point in their life but that we're ultimately becoming more polarized so that one's possibility of being racially abused it feels like it might be more of a likelihood now almost than way more yeah than it would have been previously given events globally um and that's shit like that is really shit like i like i said earlier uh i only have anger when i think about if somebody was to say or do something to my kid um where i would normally be very reasoned and rational and try to work through a thing i can't think anything else other than wanting to fucking <laughs> give somebody a slap around the head um it's a uh, that's tricky it's a very tricky situation and I, and I said I don't know that as they get older I don't know what age that kicks in as a as a thing or as a factor or the nature versus nurture like what at some point I've seen my parents do that or I've seen another kid do that or this is just now acceptable thing for me to do um don't know when any of that stuff kicks in but I feel that society is a more like I think that there was a lot of quiet and is still a lot of quiet racism um, in Ireland over the years. And I definitely feel that as a white person in Ireland, you almost experience more of it. Um, sometimes, um, certainly that casual stuff, I find that people are far more likely to say something racist to me than it would be to my wife, for example, because they feel that, oh, well, you're just a white Irish guy, so like I can feel... You're going to agree. Yeah, mm. you'll, you'll agree with me. And you're, you're a fellow traveller. Even if you don't agree, you'll just nod along anyways. And yeah, and I've stopped doing that. I've stopped doing that. But and I think that you know, if somebody's anyway, look at that's just my that's just my own thing. But um yeah, I don't know. It just feels like a bloody horribly complex um society now to to grow up in and have to confront those types of issues. I guess where Dave, you're probably right in that you would hope that a school is a safe space for a four or five, six year old child. The problem is that this kid is out with his parents. He's out in the supermarket. He's seen things that might be happening to his mother. He's seen people talking uh, that 
whereas he might be protected in school for the next few years, you would hope, until he becomes uh, that little bit older, at the very least. Uh, but that, unfortunately, like he's out living his life and seeing things and seeing people talking and looking and acting differently towards his family. So how soon do you prepare him for that? Well, I don't know. I don't mm. know, but is it better to wait for the first incident to, incident to occur and then you can explain to them why this happens, how this happens and how to prepare to deal with it if it happens again? Or as the question has been asked here, this listener, do you get out in front of it? But where I do think you start? That, I think that there's a balance. And I think that actually um, talking about your heritage and being proud of it gives you a little bit of a toolkit to go, well, hang on. So I'm self-confident enough in understanding that I am blessed with this uh, heritage that makes me far more interesting than most of the people that I see on a day-to-day basis. Uh, you know, I think that like um, any kind of nurturing of that sense of identity is very powerful and is something of a toolkit to deal with a potential incident down the line. But then when it happens, you have to get right in there and and deal with it. So you, you don't want that to be too much of a shock either that it becomes this, um, I mean, obviously I you know I have never really experienced racism, so I don't know how overpowering and uh, earth shattering it must be, but it must be pretty earth shattering to be like uh, walking the streets and to be abused simply by virtue of the fact that you exist. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you do want to make sure that when that happens, there is some sense of actually I'm confident enough and I have a support network and I know that I can talk about it and this is what we're going to do. So uh, there's a balancing act, but I'd say the first thing is definitely building up who you are and getting that pride and understanding and curiosity about your heritage. Yeah, you definitely, because the more like the uh, Black Lives Matter movement has been so powerful that it gives voice like every single day now those conversations are unavoidable and that's a brilliant thing because it makes us all engage in a way we hadn't done before and like even as like white Irish people you can be uh, you know I like studied abroad and spent a bit of time abroad and definitely at times like Jesus I remember in Wales like Wales like and uh, you know um, walking down the street I had a couple of Indian mates and I remember this woman like taking into them one night telling them to Oh, it was it was bad anyway, it was bad stuff. And I was sort of saying to her, listen, will you cop on? Like, what's what's the story? And then she was like, um, oh, and yes, yeah, for you, Paddy, you you go home as well. Like this sort of, you know what I mean? Like, so it's not, you know what I mean? I was like, and it was, it's, and it's easy for us to laugh about. And it was easy for me to brush it off. Then it was like 18, 19, could have given two hoots about whatever she had to say. And you're, <laughs> I was going to use the word mature, maybe not quite that, but certainly old enough to be able to, co-put it and it wasn't like it was an ongoing thing but yeah when you like shift it back 10 years previous and it's about your core and like it's it's rattling your safe place in terms of like Nathan mentioned Dave mentioned the school or your home or your sense of who you are and I can't even begin to imagine like what that how tough that must be yeah, no, it was a, that was a, a short but uh, very thought-provoking email. Dadcast at offtheball.com for your inquiries or uh, I got to go, lads. Advice. That's fine. We're going to wrap up Goodbye. anyway. I think. That's got to pick uh, up my kids. That's it. <laughs> some some parenting happening from Nathan, uh, Adrian, Dave. Thank you very much, folks. Cheers. Thanks, boys. Unless you have anything else you want to get off your chest. No, no, I'm all good. Heavy, heavy one today.
Yeah, but I was still, we brought some positive vibes at the start and um, fingers crossed by the time we reconvene in a week's time that everything COVID related will have improved. I'm not sure how significant an improvement, but we just need to edge along in the right direction. Another dad cast is in the books. We'll see you next week. Cheers, folks.